Well, I want to, again, welcome you to an adjusted Sunday here at Happy Valley. Adjusted in the way where, again, we're trying to um, be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And uh, we want to make sure that uh, we, we uh, care for one another. <clears throat> but wow, uh, what a, what a strange, day, strange days we live in. School closures, all sports are canceled. That's the first. NASCAR, though. NASCAR's still going, right? No, they canceled that too. Finally. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Not finally as in it's about time, but I mean, see that? I mean, anyway. But all these things, government mandates limiting to the number, of gather, number in gatherings and uh, churches conducting services online. I know that there are uh, some here in our community that are doing online streaming of the service uh, with an empty sanctuary. Uh, there are some who were planning on doing services, larger church, uh, Salem Evangelical, our larger church. They canceled service, though, once all schools closed and stuff like that. But they were going to do a service in their smaller chapel, and uh, it used to be their old sanctuary, and limited to only 249 and live stream video it in there. And then in the main, main sanctuary, have the people uh, gather in there. But uh, anyway, finding different ways, being creative, and really trying to, trying to follow the spirit of the law. It's trying to help our community. And, you know, we can look at this and go, it's just a virus. The flu is worse. Okay, I won't argue with that, and I'm not here to debate this and all those things. But I think what we should do as Christians, we should show love for one another. We should show um, that we uh, consider their needs more than ourselves, our own needs and uh, just defer to them. If they feel uncomfortable, then okay, that's fine. That's where they're at. But I think we, we have a responsibility, a responsibility to show God's love to one another. And through that, is a responsibility then to help help people feel loved in that way. So, uh, it, but it is strange days. Um, but the, throughout all of this, you know, we can we can get a little freaked out about things, a little phobic in our actions, if you will. And there are some phobias maybe that you've heard of and that I've come across and seen before. But you know, the question that you might be asking. Uh, yourself is, what is it that I fear the most? During these times, what is it that I fear the most? And it might be pretty specific right now, but what is it that you fear the most uh, these days? Um, there are a number of phobias, and the 10 most common uh, I found online here is, is in an article about five years ago, but the number one phobia is the social phobia. Social phobias. And that's, you know... yeah. <laughs> You know, you introverts right now are just loving life right now. Because <laughs> quarantine is like, yes, <laughs> I get to stay home. You extroverts, I'm praying for you. Because <laughs> you're like confined. But the social phobias really play into a situation where there's an excessive self-consciousness in those social situations. Where we're really thinking, what do people think about me, and they're going to judge me, and what I do, and say, and act, and everything else, and uh, and so 
Some people can fear being judged so much that they avoid those specific situations, being out in public, being with people. They'll, they'll suffer through it, but then they can, they can get out of there to be better. Uh, agoraphobia, the fear of open spaces. You know, and really, it's much more complex than just that. It's a very serious anxiety disorder that can trap people in their homes or make leading a normal life next to impossible. Then there's acrophobia. That's the fear of heights. If you're up on, on a ladder, that might be too much for you. You know, if you're at the top of the escalator at the town center, that might be too much for you. To the point of, you know, of course, being on cliffs and looking out and feeling like the, the ground is going to suck you over the edge. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, different levels of that type of fear. Then there's the fear of flying. Now, maybe you have that as well, and you're not going to st step foot in a, in a plane or a jet, and no, uh, I'll rather drive. I'll drive to Iowa, whatever it is. I won't fly. If I do fly, you're going to have to drug me and get me there. So even though, <laughs> even though the chances of being struck by lightning are higher than dying in a plane crash, Someone who is fearful of flying might not be deterred. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not going to get in that plane. Claustrophobia, fear of enclosed spaces. Uh, and sometimes the fear of flying is actually more closely linked to a fear of enclosed spaces. But, uh, you know, the feel of those walls closing in on them and, and uh, small places like that. Then there's the fear of insects. Ah, that's a fun one. Um, I've got a little bit of that part of it as you some... Some of you know the uh, arachnophobia um, for me, but uh, it's not one that's paralyzing to me. I'll go ahead and squish the spider in our house if I have to. But if Becky can, that would be great. <laughs> awesome. But, but you know, yeah, the, the bugs are small. They crawl. They often bite. And so it's just, ew. So it's understandable why, you know, those spiders and insects just aren't fun. Then there's the fear of snakes. Now, some of you are going, oh, yeah, no, I uh, fear of snakes. But, uh, you know, things that are long, venomous, and, and uh, is, is, that fear is common to many of those snakes. Yeah, I think Jim Stafford wrote a nice little song about those spiders and snakes, I believe. Anyway, um, there's the fear of dogs. It, you know, that is a common phobia, especially among children. They probably had a situation where they came up to a little pup, or little, not a little puppy, a big dog, and thought, oh, puppy, and, and it went, and, and then so they got scared about that. But, you know, it's also a common fear among, I'm sure, postmen, door-to-door salesmen, even runners, and as they run around the neighborhood, and they want to make sure they're safe. But uh, there's also the fear of storms, when you need lightning and thunder, and you probably were like that when you were younger, maybe. And a lightning flash and the thunder struck, and you're like, oh my goodness, the world is falling apart, and you had to jump in mom and dad's bed, or you had to you know, hide underneath the table, whatever it was. And it's understandable to have a fear of storms, especially when that thunder booms and lightning flashes. And then there's also the fear of needles. I don't know if any of you have that, but uh, you can't get poked by a needle, uh, or you know, just do it, I can't watch, and they, they take blood or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, having a sharp piece of metal stuck in your arm is always an unpleasant thought. <laughs> but uh, th those are top ten fears, apparently, phobias. But then there's the other kind of fears. Uh, here's some fears, though, in no particular order, that we're, we're all afraid to admit, I'm sure. And possibly even scarier fears than the phobias I just mentioned. There's the fear of the unknown. Life going into a, 
like going into a dark and scary haunted Halloween maze. You don't know what's coming next. There's the, around the corner, you don't know what's happening. The unknown is one of people's fears because it has an element known as loss of control. You don't have the control of the situation. When we don't have control of things, we panic. Many people like to think they have a handle on their lives, and to some extent we do, but we can pick our career and what we want to eat on that day, and whatever else, and so on. But when it comes to big life events that will happen in the, in the future, we really don't know. It's out of our control. Then there's a loss of uh, oneself. You know, we're, we're scared to lose who we think we are because the, then it falls into the category of the unknown. You know, what then? Those of you who've gone to college, some students go, you know, they go to college and they know who they are, but then they enter college and they're like, wow, this is different. Oh, I thought this is what I believed, or I thought this is what I wanted to do. Now everything's all up in the air, and I don't know what I want to do now. I don't know who I am, and it gets a little scary. Again, a loss of control, loss of un- it's, a, it's the unknown, not knowing what's, what's coming down the line. And then there's separation. Have you ever been in the store when you're a little child, and your mom or your dad you thought were, was there right next to you, and they're gone, and you're all alone in that big, gigantic store, lost, and it's horrible. Uh, separation can be uh, a difficult fear as well, too. The feeling of being separated from someone causes a panic, a frantic state of mind. And separation doesn't really only have to apply to people as far as being separated from people. You know, many people feel anxious when they move to a new house or a new location. And uh, that can cause plenty of anxiety. They're leaving behind what they knew and, and setting, setting themselves up for something unknown. There's pain. Pain is also can be a, a fear too. All we know about pain is that it hurts. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are levels of pain that happen and they vary in form and situation by situation. But uh, in circumstances, we want to know how bad, how bad is it going to really hurt? How bad is it going to hurt? You know, is there going to be any pain when you stick that needle in my arm that I'm afraid of? But uh, uh, it's a fear, again, about being in control. I want to know how much to expect here. Unknown. If people think that if they know what's in store, they can better prepare themselves. And, you know, that's true. If we know what's going to happen in the next week, we can plan for it, right? But then it's an unknown thing. There's a lot of other fears and, and such that, that uh, I found as well on this, but basically it all comes down to these things that we cannot control and it's unknown. And dealing with the unknown and, and the issues of, of, of trying to be in control, that can be uh, a daunting task, trying to get on top of those things. When we know what's going on and can control things in our lives, we feel better about life. We, we feel good. When things are going great, we know what's happening. There aren't any surprises. Good stuff. I mean, who, has, who hasn't read the last few pages of a book, right? You get a new book, you'll, what's, the, what's the ending going to be like? You want to know. Or if you're going to go to a movie, looked up online, the uh, international movie database. I think they have a whole synopsis of all the movies. You want to find out what's the end, what's going what's to happen. And we've done those things before. Some of us do it a little more often than others. 
but uh, that that's we we just want to know. We want to be in control, but that's not how life is. Life isn't like that at times. It's out of control. It's unknown. And that's why I believe we need to place our trust in Jesus, the one who knows the unknown and is in control of the uncontrolled. He is the one that we need to turn to in times where it seems like life is just spinning out of control and chaotic. Now, as you may have noticed, in your bulletin is the title of the message. I'm not doing that today. Uh, I'm straying from the message again, sorry. But I feel that God has another message for all of us who are here today, especially in light of what we're going through and what we're facing. I felt the need today to address the topic of fear, especially during these days of uncertainty and anxiety. So turn to your Bibles, New Testament, Philippians chapter 4. Great portion of Scripture that I usually go to in times of anxious situations. When I'm going in, feeling that anxiety come over me, it's my go-to verses for that. Philippians chapter 4, we're looking at verses 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, uh, Max Lucado wrote a book called Anxious for Nothing. And in that book, he actually outlines a great prescription for us in uh, not being anxious. And what I'd like to do is to share that with you today, because I believe it's something we need to hear. Uh, if you don't have his book, I encourage you to get it. It's a great help, especially in times like this. Anxious for Nothing by Max Lucado. Uh, but in looking at these verses, verses 4 through 8 of Philippians chapter 4, there are four things here I believe we can look at, and uh, I believe we can learn how to uh, make it through those anxious situations, those stressful moments, especially in these days where there's a lot of unknown and a lot of uh, uh, uncontrollable things around us. So in verses 4 and 5, look with me there. There we can see that uh, we need to celebrate God's goodness. That's one part of the prescription, part of the rem remedy. Celebrate God's goodness. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice that your gentleness be made known to all the Lord is near. Now, anxiety can be a bunch of what-ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I don't get these things? What if... And all this stuff kind of rumbles around in your mind and causes even more anxiety going on. You know, what if we can't afford braces for the kids? What if my kids have crooked teeth? What if crooked teeth keep them from having friends? Uh, maybe even a career, maybe even a spouse, all because we couldn't afford braces. Ah, there goes the anxiety, right? And we get spiral right out of control. Conquering anxiety and worry requires some work on your part but it is not God's will that you lead a life of perpetual anxiety. It's not that you jump from one anxious thing to another, worrying all along the way. 
That's not the abundant life, and that's not what God wants for us. God loves his children, and he oversees your world, and he monitors your life. He knows what's going on, and he offers this remedy in verses 4 through 8 of Philippians chapter 4. And as Paul writes these words, he's basically letting us know about this remedy for anxiety and worries. And this remedy begins with a call to rejoice in the Lord always. And so Paul here is, is, is using every tool in the box on this verse to get the, the reader's attention, if you look at it carefully. Uh, first, he uses a verb tense, so the, so the reader would hear continually, habitually rejoice as you go, not stopping. And if that wasn't enough, he removed the uh, expiration date. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not just rejoice in the Lord when it's convenient. Or rejoice in the Lord when things are going great. Or rejoice in the Lord until next week. There's no expiration date on it. Always. And if that wasn't enough, he repeated the command again. Again, I will say rejoice. So hopefully we got the point. (laughs) We need to rejoice in the Lord. But how do you obey this command? You obey it by recognizing the sovereignty of God in your life. You recognize the, the, the Lord of your life. The most stressed out people are really control freaks. <laughs> they try to control everything. They can't. And it, it just bugs them. It puts them in a spiral. The more they try to control the world, the more they realize they can't. Life becomes a cycle of anxiety and failure and anxiety and failure, and it just continues on and continues on. But when you recognize heaven has an occupied throne, God is on the throne, God is in control, you allow the Lord to be in control. You realize God can do this. God is in charge of this. God has all this in his hands. God then calms your fears, not by removing the problem, We can pray that this virus will be miraculously removed, and I believe it could. God can do anything. But it doesn't mean he will. (laughs) And so this virus is going to be hanging around for quite a while longer. And we can be paranoid and freaked out about it, or we can go through life and realize we need common sense and courtesy among one another and trust in God that He will take us through this, that He will provide, that He will protect, and trust in Him through these things. Your anxiety decreases as your understanding of God, your Father, increases. So when you learn more about Him and what He has for you, then you can rest in Him and realize He's got this. Rejoice in the Lord's sovereignty. Rejoice in what he has accomplished. Rejoice that he is able to do what you can't do. Fill your mind with thoughts of him. That's why, you know, it's great to have the Christian radio station on all the time because, you know, those those songs can point us back to God. It's great to have your Bible open all the time because as you walk through the house, you go, oh, what's that verse? And you can be reminded of God's promises for you. It's great to have all that before us that we can rejoice in him and have our thoughts upon Him. And where others see the problems of the world and and, and they wring their hands and they worry, 
see those problems, we see those problems and we bend our knees. We pray and we come before God. And we intentionally lift up our minds and thoughts about our King, the one who can deal with all this. Don't get lost in your troubles. Don't go spiraling down because of what you've heard on TV or read on the internet or in the paper. It's, it's out there. It's, the facts are there, sure. Don't let them suppress the fact that God is in control of this. Don't get lost in those troubles. Dare to believe that good things will happen and make sure your belief in God is founded in trusting that He is in control. You might have to remind yourself each day as you wake up and get going. I know for me, in this last week, each day I've woke up, uh, woken up, I've, 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 uh, I've had to remind myself, oh yeah, <laughs> we've, got, we've got a situation. But oh yeah, we've got a God that can deal with these things and take care of these things and provide and, and place our trust in Him and not have to have those anxious thoughts. So that first part of all this is to be able to put our minds upon Christ and allow Him to uh, uh, calm those anxieties. In verse 6, in verse 6 we see a second uh, remedy in this, partial of the remedy, is ask for His help. Ask for His help. Don't, do not be anxious, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God loves to have His people pray. God loves that moment together with you. He loves to hear and meet the needs in your life. And prayer is actually uh, for your benefit as well, to come and bring to your mind and, and in your heart the idea and, and uh, uh, recollection that God is with you and that God loves you. It allows us to uh, act in faith on what we know about His character, who God is. And when you pray in specific ways for you know, the different things of, our, uh, of the day and the problems that we're going through, you see God respond in specific ways and your faith grows. You're reminded of how God answered prayer. And you're going, wow, we serve a great God. And our faith increases in Him. You come to trust that God will always be there for you, even in the midst of the most anxiety-producing moments, such as these days. And prayer is simply a conversation with your Heavenly Father. It's not that tough. Place your anxieties in His hands and remind Him and yourself, of course, of the promises He has made in His Word. Be able to do that, you've got to know His Word. So you should be reading God's Word often already, not just in times of trouble, but as a regular just way of life. And you find a promise that fits your problem, and you build your, your prayer around it. There's plenty of those promises and situations in Psalms. And David, who wrote a lot of those, uh, you can probably come alongside and go, I agree with that in prayer. That is exactly where I'm going through. And so you can look through Psalms and find it right there pretty easily, a prayer that you can uh, embrace. These prayers of faith touch the heart of God, and they just activate His, His angels just to go forth and protect and provide what we need. Miracles are set in motion. And so you have fewer anxious thoughts, more prayer-filled thoughts, and, and 
as we deal with this situation that's going on, and we're able to realize, again, God is in control. We do not have to worry. And then thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the means God uses to help you take the focus off yourself and onto Him. Really, count your blessings. Name them one by one. It's those things that help us realize, yes, all around us is pretty bad. All around us is kind of chaotic. But what, what has God provided? How has He blessed us? What has He done in the past? And as you're reminded of what He has done in the past, you've got to also remember that He never changes. He will also provide in the future, in the present time as well, too. God will provide for your needs, what's going on in your life. The gratitude is a powerful weapon against anxiety because it leads, leads us out of the if-only realm into the world of already. You know, the anxious heart says, Lord, if, if only I had this and that or the other, I'd be okay. If only. The grateful heart says, Lord, you've already given me this. You've already given me that. Thank you for your blessings. So it moves us from the if only to the already. And what you have in Christ is greater than anything you don't have. So if we're worried about our health, poor health these days, you have Christ is greater than anything that we don't have. You have God who is crazy about you. You have... Uh, all, all his protection upon you and provision of what you need, you have the living presence of Jesus within you as well. Don't forget that. In Christ, you have everything. So we need to anchor our, our hearts to the character of God, who he is. Be reminded of who God is during these days. And then treat each of those anxious thoughts with a grateful one. And prepare yourself to, be, to have a new outlook on what's going on around you. And then a third uh, element of all this, found in verse 7, is to leave your concerns with Him. Leave your concerns with Him. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, perfect storms happen. They do. And you probably have been witness of them. I mean, actual physical storms happen out on the sea all the time. And a perfect storm is when all of these factors combine together to provide something pretty significant and extraordinary. I mean, the uh, hurricane force winds coming together with a cold front, coming together with a downpour of rain, all work together to form an unbelievable disaster-like situation. And... Fishermen, and I'm sure if Fred was here, he probably could tell you about the storms he's gone through and some things he's had to uh, uh, boldly go through on, on the boat. But out there on that sea, there, there's some pretty strange things that happen with weather, and a perfect storm happens, and those, uh, those uh, sailors are in trouble at times on those boats. And the winds alone could be, would be a challenge on all that too. But all that uh, perfect recipe for a disaster... But you don't need to be a sailor to uh, experience perfect storms. <laughs> You've experienced them yourself, I'm sure. Or you are experiencing them right now. And you're probably thinking there's, there, you can't see the horizon. It's gone. 
Storms are coming in. I can't see beyond hardly five minutes beyond what I have. I can't even think about what's going to happen tomorrow, what's happening today. The storm is just clouding in on me. And I, all I know is I'm in trouble. It's just it, enough to make you wonder if you'll even survive that storm. But when you present your request to God with thanksgiving, the peace of God will guard your heart, as Scripture tells us. In other words, as you do your part and release the worry to God, He does His part by placing upon you His perfect peace. It comes upon you. You should be worried, but you're not. You should be upset, but you're calm. The peace of God transcends all logic and efforts to explain the situation. Some of you know Maddie's car was stolen last uh, week ago Saturday. And when she told me about that, I was like, what? <laughs> oh, no. Here come the storms bellowing in. Okay, well, you know, make sure you contact the police. Make sure you contact you know, our, his, uh, car insurance and all that and see what happens. And, and so throughout this last week, of course, we have the storm of the coronavirus coming in as well. We've got all these other things happening. And uh, every time I thought of Maddie and her car, I got upset about the jerks who stole it. And I started getting pretty upset about that, thinking this is a car that God gave Maddie. Why would these people come in and do this? And then I was checked and I thought, I need to be praying. <laughs> so every time I thought about the car and got upset, it was a red flag, go pray, pray, pray. And I prayed. I just gave it to God each time, thinking this is what needs to happen in this perfect storm. I don't need to worry about it. I need to give it over to God. And found out uh, just a couple days ago, I believe, her car was found. And uh, a little worse for wear, but uh, she's able to have it and going to have it repaired. And the insurance is going to take care of most of it and uh, help us through that. But the peace of God, the thing is that through all that time, as I uh, spoke with Maddie on the phone, through that, she was saying, yeah, you know, it's going to be okay. It's all right. God's got this. I was like, in my mind, I was going, Maddie, you just don't know. You need that car. You need that car. What do you mean? But then I was checked again going, you're right. You're right. God is in control of this. It's all right. Peace of God transcends all understanding. When Paul was faced with a perfect storm at sea, he told those sailors in Acts chapter 27, last night an angel of God of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. God has graciously given you the lives of all you sail with you. So on the deck of a sinking ship, God sent angels to minister to Paul. He will do the same for you. He will minister to you. And unlike the world, his resources are limitless and his peace is permanent. Through this situation, we can have a peace about the whole thing. Don't give up as you pray and pray and pray and pray. And don't hear an answer. Don't give up. Keep praying. Rest in the truth that just as God sent his angels to protect those you read about in the Bible, he will send his angels to protect you. Even as your storm continues to rage, and He will use the storms to grow your faith and trust in Him. 
We need to place our trust in Him during these days where the unknown is great and, and, and we can't control things. Expect to see the God of, God of ages fight for you. He is near and as near as your next breath. And you may be facing that perfect storm today because of all that's going on around you these days. But Jesus offers that perfect peace. And then one last thing here that uh, we see in this portion of Scripture. Part of the remedy here of anxiety is to meditate on good things. Meditate on good things. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. <laughs> In other words, pick what you ponder. Make sure you know what you're thinking about. Because sometimes our thoughts cause us to go down the, line, the, the road of, of worry and anxiety. You know, think about that air traffic controller that's up there controlling all the planes that are around. That can, those that can land on that airport, he's in control of that. He or she is in control of that. And uh, planes that can't land there right yet, he's able to redirect or allow them to fly around a little bit longer until they get a chance to come on in. That person is in control of those airplanes, those jets. And just in the same way, you get to pick the thoughts that land and which ones just will fly away. You get to pick. It's your choice. Do you want to wander and squander and, and wallow in, in, in all that worry? That is your choice. You can choose to have those thoughts on your mind and land all over you. Or you can choose to let them fly away. Allow those thoughts that are good, that, that will build you up in the Lord to land. And those that don't, don't give them a place to land. Let the thoughts of, of happiness land on you today. Let the thoughts of God's joy land upon you today. You want to be miserable? Then let the thoughts of guilt land. Or let the thoughts of worry land. Or even let the thoughts of fear land, which I'm sure some people have. Healing from anxiety requires that healthy thinking. <clears throat> and that's what this verse is talking about. Your challenge is not your challenge. Your challenge is the way you think about your challenge. So what we have before us these days is not just the virus. How are you thinking about this? Are you allowing these anxious thoughts to come upon you because of this? Are you, are you allowing those things to take over? Your problem is not your problem. The way you look at the problem is your problem. You know, the, the devil knows about this. He knows that. And it's why he always uh, is seeking to plant those lies in your thinking. You're not good enough. You don't have anyone that's going to help you. You're all alone. He wants to influence you the way you, you perceive your struggles or your uncertainties, and he'll make them bigger than they really are. Remember, though, that he is not the master of your mind. Jesus is the master of your mind. God is the one that we need to trust in and place our thoughts upon. So when anxiety threatens to weigh you down on your heart and your mind, Simply call on God. Give Him those 
concerns, those situations. And of course, saying this and doing this are two different things, right? I can stand up here and say, hey, do this. This is how it works. Pretty easy. But there's another thing then to go from here and go, okay, I got to put this into action. I got to actually live this out. And that's where it gets tough. How can we really do this? There's a really simple way. Just make it your aim to cling to Christ. Make it your aim to abide in Him. Go to Him as your source for strength, and the one your thoughts need to obey. He's the one that we need to pay attention to. Read God's Word. Spend time in God's Word daily. If you're not, you're missing out on a resource that can help you. Listen to sermons, uh, and not just these that are here. <laughs> there are a lot of other great preachers out there that you need to listen to if you're not. And have the uh, Word of God preaching it correctly and, and conveying God's truth in a way that you can hear it maybe better than I can communicate it. You need to worship God. Worship Him in all you do, not just here on Sundays but throughout each day. And you need to set aside distractions and claim time for, for God. There's a lot of things in our life that can happen that can push Him out. Don't let that happen. And understand that if anything good comes into your life, He will be the way for those good things to come. The main duty of, of a follower of, of Jesus is to cling to Jesus. To abide in Him. And when you cling to Jesus, you fill your mind with God's truth. You disarm the enemy and keep anxiety away when you think upon Him. You receive God's truth, and that truth sets you free, and free from fear, free from dread, and free from anxiety. And these days, the atmosphere around here, very anxious, very fearful. Please realize that having anxiety just, it just means you're human. If you are anxious, okay, <laughs> you're human, that's all right. It doesn't mean you, you're emotionally underdeveloped or, or, or you're a failure. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Christian. Christians battle anxiety all the day. Jesus himself battled it on, in the Garden of Gethsemane. So you're not alone in this. But the thing is, he didn't stay anxious. <laughs> and neither should you. So what should we do? What's our, what's our action here? Basically, remain calm. And if you look at those four phrases, and you see in the handout that I gave you already in there, remain calm. <clears throat> each, each letter of those phrases. And this is nothing original to me. This is what Max Lucado came up with, and I think it's great for us to follow. Those four things, a remedy of anxiety, remedy for us to keep away from being fearful. And that handout that I gave you as well, too, about what we're doing here at the church, I think it's a good guideline for us as well, not just the specific stuff of what's happening, what's being canceled, and what's still going on and all that. How we should be responding to people around us. I think it's important. And you may think this is nothing and it's all getting blown out of proportion. That may be true. You may think the flu has affected people for much longer 
with, uh, with as much as severity, so why are we spending time thinking this is mu much worse? That may be true, but if it's, if it's a flu or the coronavirus, isn't it a matter of looking to the needs of others? <laughs> Whether it's a flu and you're cold, uh, sick, you're looking for the needs of others more than yourself, you're going to cover the cough. <laughs> you're going to keep yourself away from those who aren't sick. It's so interestingly disguised, this, this virus, because it's something we've dealt with day in, day out before. It's a cold or it's a flu. It's not that bad. But it is pretty severe for those who are elderly. It's pretty severe for those who are at risk. We need to keep that in mind. We need to consider their needs above ourselves. Give up the right to do what we think we are able to do, even though uh, uh, others tell us otherwise. And, and we need to comply at the, out of love for others. As silly as you might think this might be. As silly as you might think that uh, what we're doing as a church as far as canceling different things. It's out of deference for people. Out of love for people. Helping them. An article that I read about this, too, is Love in the Time of Coronavirus. Pretty good article. But he's, uh, one part of it, the author says, We need to start and end each day as children of our Heavenly Father, friends of Jesus, and grateful recipients of the, of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for genuine spiritual authority, rooted in the love that casts out fear, to guard and govern our lives as we lead, and trust that God will make up what is lacking in our own frail hearts, minds, and bodies. We do, each day. We need to do that. And the top part of that is we need to place our trust in Jesus, realizing that He's going to provide for the needs. Use you in special ways to be a blessing to those around you. And that's another part of that letter. How can we be proactive and be in a blessing to those in your neighborhood? If you're healthy enough and you don't look like you're going to scare them too much by coming over, maybe they need some help in doing different things that they don't feel they can because they can't get outside. How can we help them? What can we do to be a blessing to them? We need to place our trust in Jesus because He's the one who knows the unknown and He is the one who is in control of the uncontrolled. Place your trust in Him. Max Lucado, in his book, Anxious for Nothing, he says this, and I think this sums it up pretty much. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable. It's going to happen. But the prison of anxiety is optional. That is optional. Anxiety is going to be upon us, but we don't have to stay there. We can give it over to God. Philippians 4, 4 through 8 does that. What I'd like to do in closing here <clears throat> is give you some verses that you can look up, and uh, you can write them down in your bulletin, whatever you want to do. <clears throat> but these verses, I believe, will also speak to you about having uh, no fear. Fear not. And uh, write them down, look them up later. Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10. Psalm 46, 3. Psalm 46, 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalm 
Psalm 56.3, I think, 56.3 I said, I hope, 46.56, sorry, Psalm 56.3. John 14.27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. John 14.27. And 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And there's Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23, verse 4. Then there's Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew 6, verse 34. Then there's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verses 6 and 7. Then there's Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27, verse 1. And then there's Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 55, verse 22. In Isaiah 41, back there again, verses 13 and 14. For I, the Lord your God, hold your, your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. Fear not, you worm, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 41, 13 and 14. And then Psalm 46, 1, which actually that whole psalm would be great to read. But verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1. Psalm 118, just verses 6 and 7. Don't worry, it's not the whole thing. Verses 6 and 7. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Psalm 118, verses 6 and 7. And Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Psalm 34, 7. And then one last psalm I want to read to you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And they're going to lead us in a couple songs here at the end. And as they come on up, I'd like to read Psalm 91 to you. A psalm that I believe that we all can be reminded of, uh, again, God's care for us and protection over us. Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His, his, his pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that waits at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. 
You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the snake, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91. I believe we need to keep in mind that God's word will also help us through these situations. Those are references for you that keep in your Bible, keep on your refrigerator, whatever it is, and you're going through anxious moments, remember to stay calm, verses 4 through 8 of Philippians 4. But also, too, be reminded that God has some promises for you through this time to be reminded of. And read those, and be encouraged. And remember, trust in Jesus in this. He's got this in control. No matter what kind of virus that might creep up on us in this way, God is in control. And he is the one that we need to go to in this difficult time.